0: Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason, and today is a throwback episode. We're talking to Tristan Gouley, and Tristan, what's really cool about this episode is Tristan's uh, just super unique skill of using nature to navigate, so that's obviously the title of this episode, but that's what he does. He realized as he uh, led adventures and did adventures, he didn't really like talking about gear and all the stuff that, that goes along with a lot of trips, and I know we don't talk about that a lot on the show. And he realized he loved to read nature, look at what's going on you know, with the clouds and the sun and the trees and uh, the stars and the grass and just start picking up on the clues that nature tells us on which way is which. And he's gonna share a little bit of that. It's obviously like a lifelong pursuit for him, so there's so much more to know than just this conversation. But Tristan's been on a couple other podcasts too. And this episode, by the way, is from 2019. He's gonna tell you everything from, you know, how to, how to locate north using puddles, finding your proximity to civilization using plants, and using even the behavior of animals to forecast weather and direction. Uh, and he has so much more to learn. He has books out. I really encourage you to check out naturalnavigator.com. He has a Twitter. Uh, and the, the book that we went over is called The Nature Instinct. I have that on my shelf, and I have read a lot of it, and it is incredibly insightful. And it's good information to know because on any adventure, as we know, things might not always go to plan, and it is very helpful and probably wise to have just some survival techniques and some rudimentary navigational and orienting orienteering uh, skills to know where you need to go and how, how to get back to safety. Uh, so this was a really cool conversation. I, it really stuck out to me. It's one of the ones we've done in the past. So realize we've never done it as a replay. So here it is. Welcome, everyone, to the show. Today, we have avid outdoorsman, New York Times bestseller. He's a TED Talker, uh, an adventurer, and a n- nature navigator, Tristan Gooley, Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Mason. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, I, I always ask this, and I, I legitimately don't know. Where, where are you coming from today?
1: I'm uh, very near home. I work in a, in a cabin um, in a, a part of England, southern England, called West Sussex. So we're only a couple of hours from London, but uh, it's it suits me because
0: it's about as wild as you can get and be a couple of hours from London. Wow, that's that's fantastic. I, I'm sure it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's uh it's um English countryside at its best around here. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of that part of the UK and uh you know they, we have New England here in the states and and they're kind of similar they're very very uh, it's quaint it's it's lovely it's absolutely it's gorgeous it's it's comforting countryside yeah,
1: I am um, I I don't know New England well, but it's it's world famous for uh for the the fall obviously, but uh I think one of the, one of the nice things there is is you do the seasons just generally a bit more seriously than us. We yeah. sort of get a a, a sort of a, there's a mildness to everything here. We we get snow right. and we we get a bit of heat in the summer, but uh but it, it's all it's all very English and well behaved generally.
0: <laughs> That's funny, man. So, yeah, you're you're you have a uh A really interesting expertise, and I I might ask a lot of the same questions that you answer on a frequent basis. I'll try not to, but it's just so uh, out of the box for uh, anyone else really I know, and I have watched some videos and read some of your books, and it's an awesome skill, and it's an art. Uh, You you navigate by nature. Could you explain exactly what that is to someone that doesn't know? and uh and then how you got into it
1: yeah natural navigation is um it's very simple on one level it's it's getting from a to b and understanding where you are without using any tools no maps no compass no gps no smartphone um uh so that that part of it's very simple but then it it's and it starts as a really practical basic skill you find north using the north star or the sun is due south in the middle of the day uh, and then you quickly realize that absolutely everything in nature is is trying to make a map and a compass for you. It's just it's just having a little bit of patience uh, and learning to to really use the senses uh, and literally everything outdoors is, is a map or a compass. I mean, I say this, I, I was quite sort of scared to say it in the early days because I thought, you know, I'll end up looking a fool. But now I have fun saying it. So I'll say it to you. You can you can think of anything you want outdoors, literally anything. And I'll try and make a map or a compass out of it.
0: Wow, that's incredible! So anything, yeah, absolutely anything. What's one of the hardest things that it's to to make a map out of in nature? Well, it's um, the the
1: the. If I start at the other end, the easiest things, things that are very very fussy. So plants or animals um, that have have a really distinct habitat. Whenever you see them, they are whispering. You are in this in this niche, if you like. So stinging nettles is one of my favourite first ones to tell people about because it's it's the opposite of what people think. People think stinging nettles grow everywhere, but they, they appear to grow everywhere because they grow where we are. Human beings change the soil, the way we live, work, farm, et cetera, changes the soil. So, you know, you see a stinging nettle and in the modern mind would be, well, that's just a slightly irritating weed, but to a natural navigator, it's a clue. It's a clue you're close to civilization. So that's the easy end. At the harder end a plants, animals, um, anything in nature that, can crop up in a lot of different situations because then, you know, it, it's still whispering to you, but it, it's being a bit vague. It's saying, well, you might be here or you might be there. So then you have to add other clues and it becomes much more of a jigsaw at that point.
0: Be- because nature has so many, you know, so much going on. A forest is not just the trees. It's, it's the soil, it's the animals, it's, it's the rocks, the the moss, everything. So all that together gives you a very good idea of what direction you're heading.
1: Yeah, it's 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 the map or the compass. So w- when people are totally new to the subject, the the fast way in is actually direction. So you, the the thing I encourage people to do is ask themselves the question: you know, which way am I looking? And then just yet yeah, let your surroundings answer that. If it's a sunny day and you you've got any practice using the sun, you can answer it in 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 half a second and and pretty accurately. But on a on a cloudy day in the middle of a middle of woodland, it takes it takes a little bit of practice to to nail it there. But it is possible. Uh, not always to within one degree, but but it, you you can get a good sense of direction in any outdoors environment using um, some some sort of related quite standard techniques. You know the sun and the wind play a huge part in this, but I think of the sun and the wind leaving footprints, and and the it, it's almost sun and wind tracking. Um, so noticing that there are more flowers on on one side of a, a of a, a bank or a rock or anything like that, it's the sort of thing that. Um, the vast majority of people would would ignore or, or not take anything from, but to a natural navigator it's it's you know it 's starting to not just whisper but scream direction
0: so, so how How did you start noticing this stuff uh, How did you get into it well i was um uh,
1: i i didn 't sort of really come across natural navigation until uh some point in my twenties i 'm not not sure exactly it crept up on me a little bit but uh I was a restless kid and i I got really into journeys and i I made a decision to pursue navigation once I realized that the thing i I'd enjoyed a little bit of um flying small planes, a lot of trekking um you know mountain treks and um sailing small boats and I was trying to think, well what is it that's drawing me to do and and it's actually the shaping of journeys that that really excited me so uh, a lot of people get excited by kit. And I think a lot of people who listen to your podcast, you know, maybe kit people. Um, and, and it's it's like different. It's tribes within tribes. So there are tribes within the the sailing world. You know, people on sailing boats are different to people on power boats. They're not better or worse. And it's the same in all outdoor environments. So I, I quite often I, I can notice kit people. You You can see them. You know, they're the people who... Who park their car or their pickup or something and, and then they just get really excited pulling out all the bits and they take everything out of the rucksack and then put everything back in it and stuff like that and they'll do that for two hours
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah I know, I know that is not me either uh, yeah. but we have a lot of listeners that are so i often forget to ask those types of questions because uh i forget not everyone's like me
1: <laughs> yeah and i i'm i'm uh, obviously not a kit person so i would find when i was Walking, flying, sailing on these little journeys that that people getting really animated, talking, you know, spending an hour talking about, you know, the best type of rope to do a certain thing on a boat. And I was like thinking, actually, the boat itself, I don't find that interesting. It's and I was trying to work out what is it that's interesting to me. And this is this is this sounds a little bit kind of weird and zen, but I I sometimes say my ideal sailing wouldn't involve a boat um, because it's the it's the it's the understanding what the elements are doing and shaping a journey through that understanding that really excites me. And and, you know, hiking, walking, we we can do that. That is, um, I mean we might want to put some boots on, but but there's not, you know, it's it's not it's not that kit focused. And so it's it's a very it's sort of minimalist in terms of the kit you need, but but sort of maximalist in terms of understanding what's going on around you. Because if you've got if you've got the latest best kit, you can get away without much knowledge because you can stare at a smartphone and get yourself, you know, from A to B. Um you know, with hundreds of dollars worth of kit in each hand. But uh, with natural navigation, you have to come in a completely different way. Um, you, you, you have nothing in your hands, um, quite often not a huge amount in the pack, and your your chances of making B are, might be determined by noticing a breeze on your left cheek.
0: Man, I love this. I love this. Because I, I definitely fall into that category when it comes to a journey. Um, that is so funny, man. I, I honestly don't meet a whole lot of people that aren't kit-focused. So this is this is exciting. So, so you you realize that what really fired you up or or got you excited about your journeys was the navigation um, and, and basically creating an adventure, trying to get from point A to point B. Um, did you start basically trying to do that naturally to get somewhere as the journey, rather than you know using everything you had at your power to to get there? You would just say, "I'm going to try to get here." only based on natural direction. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that helped make this show possible. Finally, for the vast majority of us, we're able to access the mountains again. Snow has melted, not everywhere, I know. There's plenty of snow still in the Sierras and in places like that. But as you take the full advantage of this opportunity called summer, make sure you have the best gear possible that's lightweight, that's made by fellow adventurers and backpackers, and that is Outdoor Vitals. I'm a huge fan of Outdoor Vitals. I have about half a dozen pieces of their gear, absolutely high quality, incredibly well-made, and I know that it's not going to fail me out there, that I know that that won't be something that keeps me from having a really good time and making the most of this time of year. So make sure you have the gear from a brand where it's not going to get stuck, broken, or just doesn't work. So if you want to be confident in the gear you're taking out there, I'm proud to support the folks over at Outdoor Vitals. From backpacking and camping to trekking and everything else, if you want to take your summer adventures to the next level with ultralight and high-quality performance, go to OutdoorVitals.com. And let them know Mason from Adventure Sports Podcast sent you. Again, that's OutdoorVitals.com. Right now is the time for adventure. So let's go. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode.
1: No, I um, I, I went a sort of, um, I was a conventional navigator. I, mm-hmm. I taught myself where I could, which was the walking part. I'm largely self-taught. A little bit of help here and there along the way. Um, uh, but flying and sailing, I did all the formal qualifications, um, you know, to a to reasonably high standard, sort of ocean yacht master, we call it in the UK. I don't know if it's the same in the States there, but uh, and multi-engine instrument rated pilot, et cetera, et cetera. But that, I was only doing that because I, I sort of legally had to do that. If there was a way of doing it without spending, you know, money on exams and, and training and stuff, then I'd probably have tried to do it. Right. But I would have endangered everyone in the process. But um but so then I pushed the journeys and the scale got bigger and bigger and bigger and I was taking on some quite quite sort of challenging things. But the there was a kind of philosophical earthquake, is is the only way I can describe it at the moment, where I realized that the journeys were getting bigger, you know, they, they were really quite sort of um adventurous things, and yet they weren't getting any more exciting. And in a weird way, they were becoming less fun because you know, the danger gone up, so that gives you a bit of adrenaline. But then the, the amount of planning, you know, I mean, I, I at one point I put a stack of all the paperwork I'd needed to de- to do certain expeditions. And, you know, it was getting sort of waist high. Um, and that's just not that's just not me at all. And yeah. and so I came across this idea uh, and I don't remember exactly how it all started. But it was it was this idea that you can find your way without using all this kit that I'd, I'd spent years and, and dedicated myself to learning how to use. Um, and, and I just tried it and it, it was, there was just no turning back. I mean, if you just try, um, to cover even one mile, um, outdoors, you know, it's, it's, you know, if you've got a map, uh, uh and you, you find a, find a car park or something like that, and there's another car park, you know, one mile away and, and you're not just going to follow the road, you're going to go cross country for one mile. Um, you know, I can't say to people go and do that because we have to be careful in this age, but, but, you know, if, you know, that's what I did, I just crossed a little bit of English countryside, just using the the trees, um, the, the sun and, and flowers and things like that. And, and, you know, it was, it was like a, it was like a bomb going off in my head. I was like, Oh my God, this is the most exciting thing I've done since I was a child. It really was like, it was like sort of, um, you know, Christmas Eve as a child. It was, it was great fun.
0: That reminds me, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing like your first adventure, your first journey. And, uh, I feel like we spend a lot of our lives. I mean, personally, I don't know if you fall in this category, trying to kind of recapture that, that amazement that of that first trip, because everything was new. You didn't know how to use anything. It was all just, just a new world. And, uh, you're just a lot more prepared in the future. And even when you push the, the, the boundaries it's still hard to recapture that first bit of magic um and so this has done that for you do you remember what you first noticed that said i can find my way using that was it one example or was it all started growing up together was it like a tree or a a puddle or something like that
1: um well I I still get a little bit of that type of joy every day when I notice a new thing. I mean it was only yesterday I think it was. I put it I put it on Instagram um I just noticed something all the clues are part of the same family so they're quite often related to other ones. So you know you and your listeners will have come across the idea that Moscow's on the north side of trees and that Funny enough is it's it's, it's the some truth in it but it's uh i I've, I've had to write a blog about it because it's one of the most complex techniques to use weirdly it's it's the best known and and one of the least reliable unless you're very skilled but I was walking through the woods near home um yesterday or the day before and I noticed that the 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 overnight rain had been brought in by a westerly wind and had just painted you know the west side of all the trees wet uh, and I could have walked easily for sort of five miles just on that clue and that's what that clue is related to the moss it's related to the lichens it's related to you know a hundred other clues but that exact one i had never used as my primary means of navigation so i just had a bit of fun with it and it brought that uh, that childlike joy we're, we're referring to back again in terms of the first time it happened um i mean there was that that very first sort of strolling across the the countryside but actually there was a a quite important moment for me which happened at some point in my 20s which um i talk about a lot because i think it's in terms of the philosophy of this 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 art it is important it is important because um if you show somebody how to find the north star which some people learn how to do when they're eight years old and some people when they're 98 years old and an awful lot of people never learn at all but if you just show somebody how to use the plow, as we call it here, or the Big Dipper, as I think I think you refer to it there, and you, you find the North Star, and it's really not that complex. And, and most outdoors people, most people listening to your podcast, are probably familiar with it. But 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 the interesting thing happens: you 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 know the theory that okay, so the North Star is north, and then what a lot of people do, and I certainly did um, uh, in my twenties, or possibly a tiny bit before, is is you you get out a compass, or or these days a smartphone and you say let me check and what you're really saying to yourself is let me check the north star works but if you if you then do that enough times you get there comes a moment quite quickly where you realize that actually the north star is the reliable indicator the thing in your hand works most of the time if you're lucky and then then there's this sort of penny drop moment where you go well wait a minute if these two things disagree It's the star that's working and the compass or the smartphone that's knackered. And at that moment, you realise that actually nature is more faithful. (laughs) You know, it is more true. And everything that we've invented over the past few thousand years, you know, does something between a a rubbish and a good job most of the time. Uh, But, you know nature is true it, it, it is the nature that is direction and that that is quite a sort of hard thing to to get in a in a sort of loose sense in terms of conversation but if you go out there and do the north star exercise or look at shadows in the middle of the day you know you quite quickly get to this point you go like well that that is direction that is true direction if, if anything you know whether it's you know electronic and paper point, if anything disagrees with that then then we've made a mistake in our tool it's not nature that that's wrong
0: I, I love that. It, it's nature that's true, not this invention in your hand. You know that's uh, that's important, and it is hard in this day and age, even for experienced outdoorsmen. I, I, if my navigation is, is telling me one thing, and I'm not, I'm going to trust it most likely, even even if uh, even if it's wrong, um, just because I've been kind of relying on it for so long. Um, so it's good to have these skills, kind of in your back pocket if needed, or to to totally build a journey from them. Um, so for you, you've obviously got just a plethora of, of tools and skills kind of in your tool belt to use in pretty much any situation. Um, how do you add a tool to that tool belt? How do you test a new idea like you noticed with the, uh, the west side of the trees getting wet? How do you test that until it's uh, proven enough for you to basically add that in your skill set?
1: um it's, it's a good question and i um i have a a typical way of developing a new technique which is which is observation and over the years i've learned that i'm i'm looking for um asymmetries anomalies things that are are just standing out for some reason and then the question why um so to give you an example um ivy has two stages of life now i'd i'd been trying to use ivy to navigate for many years and it had been frustrating me because every time i thought oh, okay i can see all right so it's 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 growing towards the light and then the next night i was growing away from the light my next stage then is to like like so many people in all areas of research and learning i i'm standing on the shoulders of giants i'll you know instead of me being you know arrogant and thinking i know everything about ivy i just quickly concede and i go there's probably quite a few people out there who know more about ivy so i'm i'm looking for I'm, I'm looking for other quite often in um science journals you know ecology journals things like that i'll take the thing that i've noticed and see if anybody has noticed it more often than not in a completely different context so i'll be standing you know out in the edge of the woods going oh, i think i've learned how to find ivy how to use ivy to find my way Uh, And 48 hours later, I'm like sort of punching the air because there's some um, uh, biological study that's been done into phototropism, the way plants grow towards or away from light. And I put those two things together and go, yes, my observations, you know, and that takes me on another step. Quite often I do it just by just by using nature. And occasionally it's just by something I stumble across by reading. But normally it's that fusion of my observation trying it out over a period of, you know, sometimes a couple of days, sometimes a couple of years. I mean, there's one moon, moon method I've been trying to nail for nine years now and still haven't. Um, uh, uh, but but usually it's, it's you know, it, I guess that's what we've been doing as human beings, you know, since since dot. We go out there, we make a small discovery, we come back uh ten thousand years ago we sat around the fire and went, has anybody else noticed that? And three people go, Yeah, you fool, we've been we've been noticing that for, for years. Oh yeah, great. So it works. That's kind of what I'm doing. You know, instead of the campfire, I'm I'm, you know, in the age of the internet, I can look in all sorts of different places. And um so quite often the science is there. It's just nobody's chosen to use it for navigation for several thousand years. So quite often I'm just you know blowing the dust off something that, that would have been you know, old you know old news many years ago.
0: Wow, that's actually a really cool way to put it. Blowing the dust off of it. Uh, are, are there skills that you've uh, maybe, maybe a theory that you followed? Like, I think this is telling me something. Follow it down the, you know, just a little bit and research it, and then it it proves to be wrong or or maybe uh, unreliable.
1: Yes, I, th- I think the there is. Um, I mean, my understanding of the wind's behavior. Grows each each year, and that's that's one of the things I love about nature is that you can get to a practical, useful, fun level really quickly, like within a day. But to you, you can't ever complete it if you see what I mean. So
0: yes, it's a lifelong pursuit.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I I think. One of the things I encourage people with with learning anything to do with nature is not to be daunted because I was put off it in the early days. I think when any of us are too if we're either in school or or not that long out of college or something, the idea of having to learn names things like this it's a bit like "Oh God, I think I've done that stage of my life so my whole approach uh, and the way I you know write and teach about the subject is is names aren't important so noticing patterns just noticing things is 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 you know that's about eighty percent of it noticing things, then noticing patterns um, and noticing trends. So an awful lot of people can go through their life without noticing that the prevailing wind will bend trees, plants, grasses over one way. And once you notice that, you'd know you you'd be really, really hard pushed to spend 10 minutes outside without seeing a compass of some sort. And yet most people go their whole lives without noticing that. So that's, that's the kind of quick in. But to actually master using the wind, I think would take about 200 lifetimes because – you know i'm i'm still with each book i'm pushing my you know my my skills and and my sharing of it out there in terms of you know how i mean it was only about four or five years ago that i learned that wind is 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 slowed more by partial um cover than full cover so i think most people imagine that a brick wall would stop the wind more than than a bunch of trees but part experience followed by a bit of research taught me that actually the wind is slowed more by by a bush than by a brick wall. Just, I mean that in itself doesn't sound terribly practical or useful or even interesting necessarily, but it's just it's just part of that you know very very long journey to get to know this character that we call the wind.
0: So it's, so it sounds like the wind's been one of your uh, most challenging um, skills to learn.
1: Yeah, and it it, it um, as I, I I think I said it sort of leaves footprints everywhere. So once you get to know it it's um it's announcing itself i mean if we look up uh where i am at the moment i could see some um some high cumulus clouds sort of moving um and again you know probably a, a small child could tell you that there's a relationship between the direction the clouds are moving and the the direction of the wind you feel but it's actually reasonably advanced natural navigation to know what that relationship is it actually requires Um, you know reasonably deep understanding of of meteorology but i I generally i try and avoid using words ending ology because it puts more people off but but the the truth is you can you can learn all this stuff by observation but the wind that moves the clouds touches the ground gets slowed and in in meteorology terms backs turns turns anti-clockwise so you know just those words sound you know like oh that's uh, (laughs) that's that's taking the beauty out of it isn't it but you know it, it is part of that you know i I, I teach people you've got to use the clouds as, as one of your compasses and use the wind you feel as another compass, uh, and you can you can you can keep them totally separate. But if you want to try and understand the relationship, then we're getting into more sort of intermediate, um, perhaps even advanced levels.
0: I mean, I love this stuff, and I and I spend as much time as I can uh, outside and uh, usually on a trail that's pretty well marked, but not not all the time. I, I've needed some some orientation and navigation skills before. But, uh, for most people, um, I don't know what the stats are in the UK, but in the U S something like 60 to 65% of the population live in an urban area, which only makes up like 3% of the land mass, uh, the land area of the U S um, have you developed skills to help like someone navigate an urban setting?
1: Yes and and they're based on my my broad philosophy which is absolutely everything is a clue. So um TV satellite dishes have trends everywhere in the world and it only takes a couple of minutes you you just look up and you notice most TV satellite dishes are pointing one way. Wow. Yeah, it'll be broadly towards the equator but then there's a cultural aspect to it. So if you walk across a big city you're you're likely to move uh through through different you know cosmopolitan and ethnic differences stuff like that. You know, if you if you walk into the Chinatown, you'll find that people have a di- an interest in different channels, obviously, and therefore a different satellite. So you notice that this clue changes as you, as you cross into Chinatown or or, or any other um, area for that matter. Um, but there is, you know, as I say, absolutely everything is a clue. So there's the still nature, the way. Um, you know, mosses, algae, lichens grow in towns. is still is still very useful. The 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 tip there is look above ground level because at ground level everything's commercial in a town, so people are paying people to clean and wash and scrub and everything because they want to sell something through that 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 ground level thing. But if you if you if you look up twenty feet, you find quite often a, a surface that hasn't been touched for for a couple of years and you get a bit more nature there. But but the the animal that's easiest to find in towns is obviously the human being, and we are we are all individuals um as i think he he says in life of brian isn't it but but the but the, the the we we also behave like a herd so in simple terms people go you know out of stations and transport hubs in the morning and into them late in the day so if you're completely lost in a town or a city you just watch watch what the herd are doing you go against it in the morning or with it in in the late afternoon and you'll you'll find a station or a hub do you,
0: do you find that more challenging personally the urban setting it's it's I, I find it just as interesting
1: and it's challenging um, because it's not my my sort of natural. I mean, I've, I've spent um, a few years of my life living in, in London, um, but I'm not a natural city person. And so I find it forces my thinking into a different area, which is which is good for a bit. But, you know, it, it becomes more about um, sort of sociology in a way. You're, so to give you to give you an example, if you're completely lost in a in a city that's new to you, and you've decided you're going to ask somebody for help. all you've got to do is is find a a place where people are crossing the road you know not not following a, a regulated sort of traffic light type thing, but where people are making their own decision when to cross and if you if you go go towards the people who are who are taking the least time before stepping off the um off the sidewalk then you'll you'll have a local. So regardless of what, you know, we can look at what people are wearing and try and guess, is that a tourist? Is, you know, and sometimes that works and that's all part of this game. But actually, research has shown that, that the people who pause at the edge of the sidewalk don't know um, the town as well as the people. I mean, it's, it's all, all of this stuff is logical, but it's, it's the noticing. That's the, that's the real challenge.
0: Mm. So, yeah, it, it seems very uh, common sense based, intuitive even, but uh, really just taking the time to notice it.
1: Yeah. And if like, like most people there there's, there are a few things more excruciating than you, you finally decide to ask somebody and and then you get the five minute answer, which is a a rambling version of, I really don't know, but you could try this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, man, I I do a lot of bike trips and uh, I would always ask locals uh, direction. Like, where do I go? How do I do this? And they were the most unreliable folks to ask only because they felt this sort of pride in where they lived. And so if they didn't know the answer, because they don't look at it the same way that a cyclist would, uh, they would just make something up (laughs) and it would often lead me in the wrong direction. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's really interesting i uh, i i hadn't thought of that but it, it makes good sense yeah yeah i, I hear what you said if,
0: if you look on bike touring or bike packing blogs uh lots of people have experienced that because uh you know you notice every little change in elevation or 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 every little curve in the road when you're on a bike but ne- not necessarily on a car especially when you've lived there your whole life it's it's really kind of counterintuitive phenomenon that happens everywhere Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode.
1: Yeah, I, I love, I love the psychology of this sort of stuff. And it's, it's just, it's reminded me of the slightly random example, which, um, which, uh, I, I call the, the, the lighthouse example because I was first taught it, uh, many years ago when I was, I was doing my professional cell training, um, which is, uh, it's a skipper's tip basically if you're if you're a skipper of a boat and the safety relies on finding a certain lighthouse at night now the way you do it is you you look at the chart and the way lighthouses identify themselves is by the number of flashes and the timing so for example it could be three flashes every 10 seconds now it's a very simple thing but if you if you if you're the skipper and you come up from the chart table and you just you shout to the person on the helm saying have you have you seen a lighthouse they go yeah yeah i've seen it if you say to them have you seen does it flash three times every 10 seconds they'll go yeah yeah okay <laughs> right, if you, right. Say to them, you say to them, what what are its characteristics how how often is it flashing and when they will then give you an honest answer now not many people are going to be in that exact situation but the the philosophy and the psychology applies in all situations you know if you if you hold up a map to somebody and say you know, that path goes that way, doesn't it? You'll get a yes. You know, people don't like to upset people. Yeah, you get a yes. If you say, you know, which way does it go? You get an entirely different, you know, conversation.
0: That's hilarious. So, so if you are trying to extract clues, um, doing what you're doing, natural navigation from a local or, or from a person, uh, you have to be very careful about how you ask the question to, con- to not have, you know, a confirmation bias or, or just lead you down the wrong path.
1: Yeah. And you beat me to it. Confirmation bias is is one of the biggest pitfalls in actual navigation, because, again, I, I love the psychology. There's a there's a there's a stage in aviation called um, I think it's nicknamed the killing zone. Um, and it's it's oh, not, God. as you might imagine, when people are really inexperienced. It's when people I think it's sort of between roughly one and two hundred hours of flying experience, because you when you've just got your license at about 50 something hours, you're super careful, just like when you've got your driving license, you're like, okay, I know I am a menace. I know everybody is in danger around me. I'm gonna be just so on my game. You then get exhausted from that approach. And at a certain stage of everything, you 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 take your eye off the ball sometimes, literally, and and it's the same in the same in natural navigation. You you start thinking, This has got to be impossible. I mean, there's a reason why compasses and GPS and all these other things were invented. Surely this is impossible. And then you find yourself succeeding, and at that point. You know, you start. I mean, my my kids, my boys are um, uh, fifteen and twelve almost, and uh, and and they're they're at this stage now where I I um I took them out at the, the end of the last um holidays, and I said, right, okay, let, let's get some air. You know, I'm dropping you this car park. There's a there's a car park a couple of kilometers from you know, um, north of here. I think it was. Off we go. And they, they very, very confidently get it right. And they very, very confidently get it wrong. And I've, I've been on that that journey. And they, they're seeing the clues. They're identifying it right. They're using the right technique. But then, then comes a point where you go, okay, well, I sort of feel like I should be going this way. And the clue's backing me up. Instead of what you have to do, it should say, honestly, what is this clue telling me? Even if it disagrees with what my gut is telling me. Uh, And there are parallels with aviation there as well. One of the the key things with aviation, with flying in cloud, is you have to trust the instruments because your inner ear will will tell your brain that you're rolling to the left or you're going into a dive. uh, And your instinct will be to to fight that with the controls. But the instruments are saying you're you're flying level, don't do anything. It's the same outdoors with natural navigation. You, You get a feeling you know which can be prompted by all sorts of different things um and is slightly different in all of us that that you want to go a certain way and at that point it's very easy for the nature to say yeah you're right you keep going that way but actually you have to do it the other way around you have to say i, I don't have a feeling i i want i want i want to look at the nature objectively you know what what is this like and telling me you know what what is the fact that these three you know uh flowers all pointing the same way what is that actually saying and and quite often that'll be a you know 20 30 degree difference which which over a couple of miles is is quite a lot
0: you know I, I i'm sure you get asked this a lot um i know you do and i can already hear listeners grumbling why in the world would anyone need this this skill set
1: oh it's no it's, it's a question I, I don't i don't tire of because it's um it's a good one and the the answer is the practical need is is close to nil there's there's a more than 99 percent chance that none of us will need this um in a survival sense so i don't even approach it from that i i approach it because because this is very much why i've pursued the the art of natural navigation is that it, it enriches our journeys we learn a lot which is which is satisfying for lots of people but we experience a huge amount which is which is you know why why choose to be outdoors these days unless it's about the experience? You know, we can pretty as you were saying in your statistics about um you know town living, you know, we can get through most of our day with, with only a few seconds of, of outdoors. So most of the time we're choosing to be outdoors because of the experience and natural navigation, I honestly believe, you know, doubles, trebles, quadruples the intensity of that experience. One mile using natural navigation um is, is genuinely, you know, the same as a as a full day um you know being led i mean it, it, to give you an urban example of it i think everybody's had that experience where you're having to drive somewhere in a town you haven't been before and because you're having to drive you whether you do it through digital means or other means or whatever you 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 build a relationship with that bit of the town okay okay so i'm going to have to cross the river i'm going to have to okay so you start a very basic relationship with the town if you're a passenger in the same car and this has happened to me loads. I'm, I'm no different from anybody else. You know, it's, it's quite normal for my wife to drive me somewhere in a town, and then she'll drink a couple of glasses of wine and say, "Right, they are the keys." You and I'll go, I go. I really have no idea. I really don't know where we are. <laughs> you know, because we I've switched off. Um, and it, it's it is it's the same outdoors. We we are all switching off. And natural navigation is a, is a fun way of of just saying that that ain't going to wash. You are going to have to pay attention. You are going to have to understand what's going on around you. Through that comes a relationship. And it's it's like everything outdoors. There's a bit of effort at the beginning uh, and then a huge amount of payback.
0: Wow. So, so, so it sounds like it draws this new level of, of excitement and new level really of adventure in uh, everyday life.
1: Yes. Uh, and I uh, coming back to something I was talking about earlier, the tribes, I, I try not to... Um, pontificate, I'm try, not trying to say one thing is ever better than another. Um, because, you know, each to their own. And I think there are people out there. I mean, I, I come across people who are really into orienteering, who have absolutely no interest in natural navigation. And initially, it confused me. I was like, oh, surely, you know, being able to sense direction using, you know, the, you know, uh, 19 different ways to turn a tree into a compass, surely that's got to be of some interest to you. Um, but I was wrong. You know, they 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 basically wanted to run outdoors and use their mind a tiny bit. Other people want to use their mind a lot and their body a lot. Some people, yeah, you know, a lot of people into natural navigation don't don't do journeys of more than a couple of hundred meters, a couple of hundred yards. They they you know, they, it's about making a map. It's about understanding that the the fact that bird um, on the tree is now facing a different direction uh, tallies with my sensing the wind has changed, which which tallies with the fact that I can now see a ring around the sun altogether, which means it's going to rain in four hours. You know, it's all part of this really rich picture and you don't actually have to go on an expedition of any sort to do that. So for me, it's all personal choice. You know, you want to go, you want to go half a mile or you want to go, um, you know, a thousand miles. Uh, One's not better or, or, or worse than the other it's, it's a personal choice but if you want a deeper experience um if, you, if you're interested i sometimes call this subject bushcraft for the mind um you know if if, if, if that appeals to you then natural navigation is is um it, it's a fun world
0: so, so how can people uh get in touch with you and how can they learn more about natural navigation uh
1: thanks for asking yeah i've got a, a website which i've been building um over more than a decade now called naturalnavigator.com and you can explore that. Um, I, I've deliberately set it up so that you can kind of explore it. You can go in looking at star examples, looking at animal examples, looking at weather examples. Um, there are details of all my books on there. Um, I do give talks and I run courses. In truth, I'm very lucky that, that you know, there are people all around the world who have an interest in this. And uh, I can't always get to, to the area somebody's in. But I, I have a newsletter where I send out information uh, about when I am giving talks and things like that. And it's easy to subscribe through the website. Um, but it's, yeah, I'd say have a little explore of the website. If this sounds like your sort of thing, then, then I, I I've written half a dozen books on the subject uh, and they all have a slightly different approach and niche. Um, again, appealing to different aspects of the subject and, and in turn to the different tribes out there. So hopefully there'll be one for you.
0: Man. Well, I'm, I'm excited to learn more about this because, uh, I I admittedly don't know a lot about natural navigation, yet I claim to be an outdoor enthusiast. So these types of things will really just draw out interesting perspectives, no matter if it's a walk around the block with my dogs or if it's a hike up in the mountains. Uh, This could definitely add a lot of uh, excitement just to the little, little interactions with the outdoors every day.
1: Great, yeah, go for it. And uh, that question I mentioned before: which way am I looking? You know, if you just ask yourself that question, just stare into the distance, even if the distance is only a, a few yards from you, and, um, and and just ask yourself which way am I looking? And th- there's a very good chance there are several dozen clues to the answer to that question, uh, you know, within within your senses.
0: Well, that, that's awesome. So yeah, all right, every listener, you go outside today. If you you know, you might be very familiar with your area but try to spin around a couple times, then uh, open your eyes and say, which direction am I looking? that will be a good test. Yeah, go for it. All right. Well, Tristan, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show, man.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, Mason. Happy yes, navigating.
0: Sir. All right. You as well. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. First of all,